this morning. Um, welcome again, first-time guests. Um, we're so glad you're here. Um, love to get to know you. Take those connection cards, put them out there at the Welcome Center. We'd love to just connect and, and, and build a bridge with your life. We are in a build series uh, right now. We, as Samuel mentioned, um, are in this month of November, which is designated Love South Florida. And we are a part of a greater movement in the region called Church United. It's an organically organized movement of churches that are making this city the best place to live and to work and to raise our families. Can I get a huge amen right there? Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. It's incredible. And so we're, we're putting feet to our language and we went out and, and we're part of a refurbishment of, of some homes. There's more things that are happening. We got the block party coming up. We've got eventually the Habitat for Humanity build. We're right over here. 70 homes are going in and Church United is sponsoring one of these homes for a family, building it from, from scratch, brand new. It's incredible. And this incredible opportunity to build up other people, right? To build up other people and build up their lives. And I want to talk about how we do that by first losing our own life. I think, you know, so much in in culture, unfortunately, rolls over and affects the church and affects the good news that we're to live out. And so I just want to kind of give you something to think about today, maybe a little tweak and a correction in your mindset on on how we function as believers in this world because I I see a lot right now um, of pop culture, which I respect and I think is is beautiful. I love the influence of of so many, actually believers in in, in the realms of pop culture that that are leavening that space. But I see a little bit of that coming on over into the church and affecting um, how uh, we go about walking out this thing called Christianity. If you remember um, Jacob, Abraham had, had three sons. Uh, there was Abraham, sorry, Isaac, and Jacob, not three sons. It was, Jacob was the third one in the lineage of Abraham. And Jacob was the one that was, that was de- destined by God to be put right on that precipice, that momentum precipice, where he was going to be responsible for seeing Israel or this beautiful nation come forth. Do you remember? And so, so Jacob has this, this pretty tumultuous journey in his life. He had this incredible calling over his life, and he was the one destined to give birth to this nation that we're all a part of today, which is just such a profound thought, right? But in this journey, he has this... Um, this kind of broken experience where he ends up, you remember the story, rustling with the Lord, right? And he walks away from this experience where I believe he truly came to the end of himself, where he lost his life in this rustling match, but in doing so, he actually finds his life. And as he walks away from this experience, he walks away with a beautiful beautiful thing called a limp. And I was, I was inspired last week by hearing Alan Platt talk about the progression of our maturity in Jesus, how, you know, children come into the family and they realize, oh my gosh, my sins have been forgiven. And then we progress in our, our maturity where we're, where we're starting now to see some victories because of Christ now in us, the hope of glory. And, and as young adults, we go, wow, I've overcome the evil one. 
But he said there was a warning there because oftentimes in that space, we move from dependence to independence. But I think the next step as we we enter into adulthood or spiritual maturity through a rustling with God and truly over a series of, of probably different seasons, not just one season, we continually are reminded that we can't do this without the power of the gospel backing us in our efforts. And as we wrestle with God through these circumstances, we come away with a beautiful limp. Jesus said it like this. Look with me in Matthew chapter 10. This is the gospel. We're going to look afresh into the gospel again today, and then we're going to close with communion this morning on first Sundays. We always do. Look what he says. He who finds his life. Now, I want to pause right there. The goal of God is for every single human being on the planet to find their life. There is purpose over every human being in this room, everyone watching over live stream, every person in this region, every person in our state, our nation, and the world that God has destined for them to find and discover who they truly are in the essence of their identity. This is the purposes of the Lord in the earth. It's always been his plan. But to find your life, you've got to first lose your life. This is not what pop culture teaches. He says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Find means to get, to obtain to come into the, 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 the blessed inheritance that God has for each of us. Lose means to perish. Another way of saying it would be called dying to self. Come on, say oh my with me on that one. Oh, dying to self. Dying to us acting independent from God and from one another. How many of you know the kingdom of God is so relationally designed that it is impossible to live independent from the Lord and from each other? Come on, if you ever meet someone that's all super spiritual and they're like, oh, it's just me and Jesus, tell them that's not the gospel. That sounds really spiritual and woo, but that is not the good news. Dependence is the good news. Dependence on Jesus and dependence on one another. Now, here's the thing that I want to just kind of get into as we, we talk about this thing through the gospel about finding our life. I want to say this over every human being. I really believe that we were meant and made and created to flourish. Well, Darren, I don't believe that. Maybe one day in heaven we'll flourish. That's not the gospel. We were actually meant to have life Now and life, come on, life now and life abundantly. We were meant to flourish. Now, does that mean life is easy? No. Does that mean that we're not going to have challenges? No. But we were meant to flourish in this life. God designed you with a specific purpose. We were just back in partners class, those that came through wave one, we were talking about the dreams in their heart, and there were a lot of beautiful dreams And those dreams were meant to flourish now in this life as we walk through this process. 
I was looking at this guy by the name of Jonathan Haidt. He's a moral psychologist and professor on ethical leadership at NYU. He conducted a study on the truths about human flourishing across cultures and across time periods. And here's what he said. He wrote a book called The Happiness Hypothesis, Finding Modern Truth in Ancient Wisdom. And here's what he said. Look at this. He said, we flourish when we forget our self-interests and lose ourselves in something bigger than ourselves. Isn't that interesting? That, my friends, is counter-cultural to what goes on out in the world. Because the world says, hey, if you want to find yourselves, go and get you some. Right? I'm going to get me some. Here, he says that humans historically flourished when they lost themselves and their own self-interest in something bigger than themselves. I am telling you, like, this may, I, I'm not trying to be over dramatic, but yesterday being in that neighborhood was life-changing for me, honestly. I felt like we got back to some of our roots on where we were always intended to be as a community. To get out there and lose ourselves in something far bigger than ourselves. And that's called serving the people of this region. There was so much beauty in it when we came together at the barbecue. Man, community was happening among all the people that were taking place there. There was, there was such powerful stuff happening during those baptisms. It was incredible. It really was. Because we felt like, I just, I don't know, I, I can speak for myself, but I felt like I was something, part of something way bigger. I was like, God, I even put in my post, I put hashtag revival. Because I was like, man, it's on. It's like game on right now. We turned a corner on Saturday. Something happened. Forty first fruit people came out. And it's gonna, just going to roll from here. There ain't no stopping this train. It was beautiful. But losing ourselves for his namesake is this. I want to give you this stuff. This is from Darren. I put this. All of who we are gets swallowed up in all of who he is. It's diving into the deep end of the ocean of God who is the manifestation of love on the earth. So incredible. Jonathan, this, this, this professor, he says that in a religious conversion... Whenever he studied this, one experiences a higher happiness of joy. Of joy. So he even ties joy and flourishing into the human equation through religious conversion to Jesus. Historically, this is proven out. And the world looks new and beautiful. And there is a desire birthed in the heart to serve other people. And get out of our own worlds. Come on, somebody. Ooh. We live in a self-centered culture. And we are not to be influenced by the culture, but we are to influence the culture. As we are transformed, that leaven of Jesus in us gets out and leavens the rest of the culture. God would send the Apostle Paul into crazy cities like Corinth and Ephesus and 
Galatia, regions like that. And these were very world-saturated cities that were turned upside down because he carried a greater culture. He carried a greater atmosphere that went into those cities. Jonathan Haidt wrote this. He says, no one, Samuel and I were hearing this the other day. He says, no one comes back from an encounter with God saying, I want to make as much money for myself as I can. Nobody, no one comes back from an encounter with Jesus and they walk away thinking more about themselves. But you see, our modern culture doesn't promote losing yourself to something larger. It actually promotes finding yourself or the promotion of self-actualization. Self-actualization is going after identity, but in the wrong way. It's, and you've got to understand, listen, the enemy, he knows the kingdom of God. He knows the word of God better than we do. He knows all about identity and intimacy and destiny more than we do. So what he does is he's, he's, he's not an author of anything original. He just perverts what was already created or truth that was already set into motion. Do you understand? He comes in and perverts it even just a little bit, just enough to make it look good, but not produce any eternal fruit. Because remember, if we're, if we're, if we're actually fulfilling or flourishing, we're, the world is going to be filled with joy. Right now, the world is filled with more depression and anxiety than it ever has in human history because it's the age of self. Self-accusation in terms of identity is based on three things. Power, prestige, and possessions. Sound like South Florida? Where we build our professional brand, status, and power position within society. It's the age of selfies, my friend. It's the age of social media status. Are those things working for us or are they working us, is my question. When we look at the current human condition, I have a question for you. Are we truly flourishing? Are things that are actually meant, I believe, to aid the gospel, like the internet and social media, helping us or hurting us right now? Where are they positioned, rightly or wrongly, in all of our hearts? Did you know I, I did a research, and I don't, have, I don't want to go into it much, much depth this morning, but unhealthy social media internet um, reality, it, 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 it sets up unhealthy sleep patterns in our lives. Did you know that? Proven scientific fact that leads to fear, anxiety, and depression. Now, I know what it's like when you, when you don't get much sleep. Anybody remember the first kid or the second or the third, right? I mean, man, you lose sleep, everything breaks down in the home, Right? I mean, I got up and helped bottle feed when Wendy was having kids, not so much for, for helping to bottle feed, but just to keep my wife sane. Can I get an amen? No. She was amazing. I'd be like, oh, baby, the baby's crying again. 
but, but she, she was such a trooper because it just, it just robs you of that sleep. And when sleep is taken away, it affects everything else, right? But here's, here's what I want, you, want us to realize. Yet, in our age, in our culture, self-help books are blowing off the shelves, including in the Christian genre. Did you know that Americans alone spent $10 billion on self-help books? Did you know this year, once again, over a million more self-help books are going to come out onto the market? Now, here's what I want to hit on as we close. In our culture, when we think of losing ourselves... The enemy's tweaked it in such a way where we think more about losing ourselves in something grand in scope. I think social media is, come on, when you, when you look at Instagram or Facebook, come on, it's not showing any of the small, mundane, or simple stuff, right? Here I am skiing in the Alps of Europe. Woo! right? Those are the images that you would get. We see everybody's best life, right? Before our eyes on, 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 these, on these pictures that speak a thousand words, most of them not true. Come on, somebody. So it's conditioned us that when we think about, man, I want to lose myself. We want to think, we want to lose ourselves in something grand, scope, big scope, big impact, a macro revolution, I haven't kept in touch with uh, Mike Bickle and the, the ministry at International House of Prayer for just a while, but for a while. But Samuel sent us an email that he sent out. They have made a decision. They are shutting down all of their conferences indefinitely. One of them, which happens every New Year's, hosts over 20,000 people. But they were feeling from the Lord that they needed to get back on course, that there needed to be a correction that they needed to get back to simplistic living and intimate relationship with one another again instead of the big hype experience. And I was like, my God, you are speaking here. Something is up. God is doing something in the body of Christ. Listen, I'm all about conferences and they're good and they can be well intended. We saw that with PRISM, but we got to keep the right expression in, in, in what we're going for in these experiences we got to communicate what we're trying to bring to the body of Christ clearly that this isn't some macro revolution that's going to change the world. It's going to be small things done with great faithfulness. Come on. Because I want to submit what if a macro revolution could, could and probably only will be actualized by a micro revolution. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? I felt it. We're, listen to me. Where each of us enter into the smallness of simply being faithful to the little that God has entrusted us to do on a daily basis. Living life simply and intentionally. Now, in our culture, that's not going to make headlines. It's not going to make you look really awesome on social media. As you talk about the beauty that you found in God, changing your baby's diaper ten times in one day. 
or getting the laundry done or dealing with difficult people at work and still loving Jesus and still somehow loving them. We are not going there as a a church in those kind of spaces because we don't really feel that that's that important. What if we gave ourselves, as the communion is being passed, to see unique opportunities all around us and serve others daily through simple acts of kindness? The other day when we were driving to the baptism, you know, we just wanted to make sure there was enough food, so we called up the team, and there was plenty, but we decided to go to Publix and get a few more things anyhow, and and Wendy jumped out of the car with Nikki, who runs the anchor, and she went in there, and it was a divine appointment. You see, we were busy trying to get to the beach, and I don't know how this happened, babe, but, but she ran into a homeless man. I, I don't know if he was homeless for sure, but he was definitely in, in a place of, uh, he, was, he was suffering poverty, and he was distraught, and Wendy went up and talked to him. Hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And he's like, my closest friend died, and I have to go to his funeral, and I just want to honor his life with some flowers. So he wasn't asking for money. He wasn't trying to get some cash to go buy some alcohol. He just wanted some flowers to bring to the funeral of his friend. And Wendy went and bought him some flowers in that moment and blessed his life. Now listen, she didn't get him next to him. Hey, let's get the cashier to take a selfie. Here's the flowers. Look at the beautiful thing. I mean, not that that's wrong, but the point is is that no one, unless I would have said that today, would have known about the faithfulness of my wife. To, to just love on somebody because she was looking. Her eyes were open outside of herself for an opportunity to give love to somebody else. Because when we begin to give ourselves to this, we'll begin to see the plethora of currencies of love that are out there. They're all over the place. They're just waiting for us. I was noticing, I told Felicia this, when we were at the house, you know, in this depressed neighborhood, I could see just the way she was made in God that just gave her grace with these neighbors. They were just opening up. They were laughing. They were smiling. I was trying to go over and talk to them, and they're like, ooh, I don't know about this white, white guy, man. What, you know, what is it? It was beautiful to see what was on her. And she was able to express this love to, to these beautiful people in that neighborhood. It was incredible. It, it, it'll begin to give us boldness in our lives. We'll begin to walk in something that's completely countercultural. Generosity is way more than some act of giving. It's a way of living. And as we take communion, here's what I want to leave us with. Do you remember when Jesus encounters this guy and he comes to Jesus with this question, what good must I do to have eternal life? He was, he was basically asking him, What must I do to realize my full potential? I want to know my identity. I want to walk in all that you have for me, Jesus. What do I need to do? Well, Jesus said, why do you ask me about good? What's good in verse 17? But but he kind of shifts and he goes, well, if you want to receive eternal life, keep all the commandments. The guy goes, which ones in verse 18? And then he starts talking about him, about, hey, don't commit adultery, don't steal, you know, don't testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. 
And he says this in verse 20. Here's the, the paramount statement. He says, I've obeyed all of these commandments. What else must I do? Jesus, Jesus told him, hey, if you want to be perfect, because he knew that there was something that he wanted to get to in this guy's life. If you want to be perfect, sell all that you have and give your money to the poor and come and follow me. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. But when the man heard this, he went away very sad, for he had many possessions. Now here's the point to this, and then we're going to take communion. Listen to me very carefully, because this is where it all comes home. As humans, we often put our trust in what we have done versus trusting him with the things that we cannot do. You see, he was unable in his own strength to give away everything that he had and follow Jesus. And Jesus knew it. Listen, God's not telling us to to give away everything that we have. But what he is doing is trying to get to the places in our heart where we cannot bring anything to the table and see if we will be dependent on needing him in those spaces to break us out of our own independence of feeling like, hey, we got this all under control. You see, the limp comes, and the limp came to Jacob when he realized, man, my life is a total mess, and I can't do anything about it, and I'm going to grab a hold of you, God, until I find an answer here, and I ain't letting go. You see, we come under so much shame and condemnation with all of our failures because we're the ones trying to fix those failures instead of letting the blood fix those failures. A broken body fix those deficiencies. You see, as we move into maturity as fathers and mothers, we're actually going to become less independent and more dependent than we've ever been. Have you ever met somebody that's 80 years old, been following God, so filled with joy, so, so fulfilling, you know, all the, all the actualization of, of, of all that God had for them from the beginning? And when you talk to them about what they've come to know, they're like, man, I know less now than I thought I knew back when I was 20. What I do know is I just got to have Jesus. That sounds so simple, but it's so profound. Because I mentioned earlier that our lives, our lives get actualized when all we are gets swallowed up in all who he is. But see, in losing our lives, all of who we were becomes all that he destined for us to actually be. When you lose yourself, here it is. Here's losing yourself. God, I need you for everything. David, remember, he was a billionaire back in his day. He could, you can solve a lot of problems with money. And he got on his knees every day. Father, I have need of you. A man after God's own heart right there. 
could we just take a moment and break out a pop culture and looking at all the, the beauty and the fame that we think about ourselves and could we humble ourselves as a community and say to Jesus, would you close your eyes with me? Jesus, your broken body and the blood that you spilled to redeem everything that was unrighteous or not right in the world. We need. We come and we ask you afresh, fill us with the essence of who you are once again. Take us from glory to glory to glory. Mature our dependence on you and our dependence on one another like never before. Let us move from a macro revolution to a micro revolution of being faithful day to day. I speak encouragement. So many of you in this room have been in that space, but yet the enemy has told you you are nothing, that you're not doing anything for God, and it's a total lie. Your faithfulness day to day is setting you up to be powerfully used. You already are being powerfully used more than you even realize. Come, Holy Spirit, and raise up a faithful church that depends upon Jesus for anything and everything, that we don't look to ourselves to find ourselves, that we look to you, the one who gave all things. So we take today, we eat. What a beautiful body. Perfect, sinless, yet allowed itself to be broken by all things unrighteous, past, present, future. We drink spilled blood. flowed from the side of a Savior. To recreate the earth and all those that live in it. We have need of you today, God. In Jesus' name, listen as our ministry teams come up. I think it's I think it's important in moments like this to just reflect on some things like number one do I know God in this kind of a way listen if there's any self effort in you let that go today this morning self effort to be righteous self effort to perfect yourself self effort to try to fulfill whatever commands you think God is looking for come to the feet of Jesus grab a hold of his cloak and say I ain't letting go I got to have you. You're everything to me. I really feel this. I'm ending here. So many of you have been beaten up by the culture of this world and feel like you don't measure up. And it is the biggest lie that's hurting and affecting the church in general, but it's affecting your life this morning. Faithful, simple, intentional living on a daily basis is what's going to change the world. 
we're not looking to just do an event on a Saturday and then let that be that. We're, gonna, we're doing this to culturalize our hearts on what's possible. Simple acts of kindness. Come and receive ministry. Let that comparison be taken away today. If you've got anything in your body limiting all that God's made for you to do, sickness, anything going on, let us come pray for you. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your heart that's for us, not against us. Thank you that you came to give us life. Thank you that you taught us this morning that in order to find it, we must lose our life first. Let us be countercultural. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Our ministry team will be here as long as needed. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday.